Cool. Let's do a recap for the episode. What do we talk about? I think we spent some time talking about your school farm and what you learned at school, and we spent a big chunk of time talking about stock shows and what else? Your little piggy, little your piggy. longhorn. Is it My a bull? Longhorn. So I had a couple. I had a bull, and then I also had a had a heifer, and she had a baby at one point. So we had a whole little herd at one point going. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. So we talk about that. And we also talk about eating the animals. Like what's mm-hmm. the, the the concept behind that and how it shaped your life. Yeah, yep, that, that about sums it up. Welcome to Chai with Ping. This is Ping Robert. In this podcast, I cover immigrant stories, cross-cultural experiences, and minority issues. Join me with a cup of chai and take a listen. Any questions before we start? No. Cool. Welcome back to Chai with Ping. My name is Ping and thank you for tuning in to my show. And we're here again. And I'm going to ask you to subscribe if you haven't already. And also you can find me on Facebook or Instagram or even shoot me an email with the email address chaiwithping at gmail.com. You can always, you know, share your stories or thoughts or ideas on those social medias. Um, today, I am inviting and returning guest to share about a little experience of growing up in a school farm and you know, some of the routines that, that she has been having. For me, I'm a city girl. In Taiwan, having farms is not very likely for most of the people in the city. And then so even after coming here, growing a lot of vegetables and fruits and all that is very new for me. And I felt like, okay, since like the U.S. has huge land, so maybe a lot of people also grew up in rural areas and uh, farming could be important for, for their life. So I just want to dig in into the American life and to welcome Kat to the show. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me again. Um, it was such a fun, a fun, fun time the first time. And I always, I'm an ag nerd. I like talking farm things. Yeah. And then before we start that, so Kat already graduated. So you're the recent graduate with a master's in international and intercultural communication and a self-proclaimed egg agricultural nerd. So <laughs> I had a, such a great time with you talking about your experience in returning from Korea during COVID. So if the listeners are interested, I'll put the link below and you can keep, uh, you can take a listen. So Kat, let's just jump right in. What was your experience? Yeah, just jump. (laughs) Just jump. Just jump. Let's go. I'm ready. What was your experience growing up on a, and it's a school farm, right? Yes. So I feel like to, to like give the kind of paint the picture a little, um, you kind of need to understand what a, what a school farm is. Um, and so in the U S there's been a lot of emphasis in agricultural education. There's been a lot of bills that have passed at the state and local level um, from a long time ago. So this is very well established. Um, And so there's two main branches of agriculture education that a lot of kids grow up around. Um, And the first is 4-H and I'm not as experienced with 4-H, but um, they, I I remember a little bit of doing stuff with them when they're younger, um, but they, they do a lot with ag education um, but what I'm more familiar with is I'm more familiar with it in like the school system. Um, and so my dad is actually a high school agricultural science teacher. Um, so he teaches 
ag. He teaches kids life skills. He teaches them about the farming industry, about the ag industry, um, welding, all of the practical skills, very trade oriented. And so part of that is that goes hand in hand with an organization called the Future Farmers of America. And this is for junior high and high school students. I know it's so fancy. It's called FFA. Um, and so they do a lot of stuff that includes having a lot of these organizations. They're in schools and they, they do a lot. They have school farms. And one thing kids do is they raise animals on the farm. Some schools have greenhouses. They work um, with the kids growing plants. I did everything being an ag teacher's kid. I did everything from raising animals to, you know, growing plants for a science fair project to public speaking. I did a lot of public speaking on ag topics. Um, I did welding. I welded a grill, very fancy. Um, and so I spent a lot of time growing up um, on the school farm since my dad as the teacher helped manage that. And so that's where kids have their individual product projects. Um, some kids will raise pigs, some kids will raise cows, goats, sheep. And the goal of that is to show them at county fairs, um, at county stock shows, at larger stock shows that are hosted by major cities. Um, and the goal of that is to win scholarship money. The nicer an animal you have, um, the better you take care of it, um, the better it looks at the show, the more like you are, are to get scholarship money. And so that's the end goal with most of these projects is to kind of expose kids to the ag industry and things they can do in possible careers and also throw scholarship money at them because we want scholarship money to go to college. And so that's kind of the environment I grew up in. A lot of it was stock shows. A lot of it was going to a lot of these other events. Um, but yes, lots of animals involved. I have a question. So that's my first yes. time. Oh, well. The term stock show, it, I heard it in class, but it was the first time I heard in the U.S. I was like, what is a stock show? And then everyone looked at me like I'm a foreigner. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> what is a stock show? So a stock show, I, I guess the, the word breaks down livestock show. It's a livestock show. It's where um, farmers go, kids go, and they put, think of it like, think of it like a dog show. Have you seen a dog show? You know? Think of a dog show, yeah, but with animals. Yeah. So, so they have the animals oh. in like weight classes and by breeds, okay. yeah. and they all go into the ring and show them. I have pictures. So, like the first stock show I ever did was a small little little itty bitty show, and I borrowed someone else's pig. I was four years old. I couldn't tell the pigs apart, and so they tied a little red ribbon on the tail of my pig, and they were like, "Okay, you follow that one. That's the one you follow." And I, I quote unquote, showed it. <laughs> Um, Wait, this so, yeah, is like so, the movie we saw, right? The movie with the pig. Uh, what was his name? It's it, it's I think Char it's called Charlotte Web. So the the farmer would take the pig, and then the pig will shepherd the the sheep. Oh, babe, babe, yeah. I there are two episodes. I haven't seen. I think I've seen part of Babe, okay. but yeah, there's there's a lot of stock shows in the movie. So if you've seen Charlotte's Web, like okay. and and it started with livestock, but a lot of it built up around it. So a lot of times okay. you'll see fair food and things like that. Um, but but the base of it is you take your animal in and you you show it to a judge who knows about all these animals, and he will pick out the best animal, and that animal wins. And you get a pretty little blue ribbon and usually some scholarship money. Um, and then they also have some other competitions where like showmanship is, is one that maybe if you don't have the best looking animal, you can go in, but if you show it really well, if you would do a good job presenting the animal, if you take really good care of it, you can answer the judges questions, then you can win and get 
or scholarship money. Okay, I have another assumption. So in the movies, like when when they shoot mm-hmm. Hollywood movies, and mm-hmm. there are like country clubs, and then so I'm assuming in stock shows, people wear the cowboy hats and the boots. Yes, <laughs> I, would, I would say I would say that's a fair assumption. There's part of part of being the stock show is like just like with a dog show. If you you know you want your dog to look pretty, you yeah. gotta look pretty too. So um, I would have my nice jeans. I would have my boots. And I would have a Western style shirt. Um, some more, a lot of people, a lot of girls bedazzle them. I wasn't super into the bedazzly, yeah, um, yeah. but you know, you, you wanted to look nice. And then just like a dog show, just like how you wash your, we would have to groom our animals. So um, the stock show wasn't just a one day thing. We would go out um, with our animal for a couple of days and you get them settled in and they have a little place they can sleep. And then you wash them, <laughs> you bathe them. Um, my favorite is with cows, you wash and then you blow dry them. There's like a giant, like almost like vacuum cleaner looking thing. That's like a blow dryer. It's a giant blow dryer and you blow dry the cow. And it's so funny because the cows find it so peaceful. They're like, it's yeah, a spa yeah, yeah. day, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's a pain. If you have a very, very fluffy cow, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I didn't have a fluffy cow, thankfully, because you can spend hours taking Drying care of your animal yeah, to yeah, make yeah. them look pretty. It's like a beauty show for animals. It's Got like a it. beauty pageant. Um, though it's not just about some animals, it's about looking pretty, but each animal has their own requirements. Like with cows, you would think all cows are the same. Mm-hmm. No, the, the cows that are meant to be for beef, you want them looking like linebackers. You want them big and muscly. Um, <laughs> the, the dairy cows, you want them to have good udders. You know, they want to look, you, you got to look at their temperament. Will they make good mothers? Um, I showed Texas longhorns, which I like to equate to the supermodels of the cow world. Cause they're really only there to look pretty. <laughs> um, cause they're the ones with the fun speckled pattern and the giant horns. And so they're like the supermodels, like they're really, they're only there to look pretty. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. But so then, so even before the show you had to take, so you took a pig, the one that you mm-hmm. followed, right? So you had to take care of the pig before the show and just spend the whole day over there to show the judge. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you usually spend, it depends on animals, but you usually spend three to four, some days, sometimes up to a week at the stock show, um, you know, and you walk the pig or, and this, this applies to all animals. This applies to sheep, goats, cows. Um, you, you take care, you, you get them used to the environment. You don't want them stressed. They usually have you weigh the animals. So that way they can put them in the proper class. A lot of stock shows do drug testing because they don't want steroids. Um, or any any other <laughs> illegal substance um, in the because there's big big money at some of these larger shows. I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars, um, like big scholarship money. Um, and so they really do a lot of testing to make sure that everything is legal and everybody you know everyone's following the rules. Um, and so you spend a lot of time at the stock show, um, pretty much all day. Even if you're not in the show ring, you're usually only in the show ring for maybe 10 minutes at a time, unless you advance and then you get to go back in the show ring, but you wash them, you brush them, you clean them. Um, you have to get there early to feed them. You stay late to feed them. You clean their pins. Um, you basically live at the show. Like I have pictures of my brother asleep on his cow, um, because we were there from (laughs) six in the morning to like eight o'clock at night. Sometimes, sometimes earlier, um, and so my dad, as the ag teacher, has to go with all of the students. So some some kids just go with their families, but the teachers always have to be there for the most part. And so my mother, 
um, likes to call herself the ag teacher's widow during stock show season because he's always gone. <laughs> he's always at the show. Yeah. Um, and he always gets so excited to come back because he just, you know, you sleep at the stock show, you, you know, you're sleeping yeah. in a giant barn with a bunch of animals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's already pretty cool and special. I, I mean, like for the people who grew up in that environment, probably find it very like routine or this is just daily life is there any moment that you felt special or there's a memorable um example um i would say this i don't know if this this might sound a little but i liked it because i got a round of applause um so i was showing my my first longhorn he was a bull he, he longhorns are pretty much the only breed of cattle that i know of off the top of my head where you're allowed to have bulls most most cattle show you're only allowed to have steers or castrated males or females because the bulls get a little temperish but longhorns are pretty smart and for the most part they're pretty docile even as bulls um but mine he had an attitude issue where if you were over the age of five years old he didn't like you he was great with children if you were over the age of five he hated you <laughs> um and so i was in the show with him um and he started acting up and we were in the ring in front of the judge and i walk with him you walk with him on a, with with your cattle on a harness. There's a harness around their neck, not around their neck, around their head, not around their neck. You don't want to choke them. And it's attached to like a, like a leash and you walk with them. You're, they train from them. You get these animals when they're very little and you train with them until the show to walk and to stand a certain way. They're well-trained. Um, and so we were walking and he just decided to be a little bit of a brat. He, he wasn't, he wasn't, um, jiving with me that day. Um, and so he started acting up and which can be a little dangerous since he is a longhorn, he has horns. Um, there's a lot of testosterone going on. And so he managed to act up and, um, almost knock me over. Um, but I managed to get him under control and the entire crowd in the audience, you know, full of parents and people watching, um, because it's like a fun little tourist thing. Cause you know, it's, it's different. I mean, this sounds commonplace to me, but even I know that it's a very, very specific thing to rural America. Um, and a lot of people live in cities don't, don't know about it. So the stock shows will also bring in tourists. And so I got all these like people clapping for me in the audience. Cause I, yeah. I kept my, my rowdy, um, teenage bull under control. Yeah. He was yeah. a teenager. He was going through some, some teenage angst, <laughs> but wow. I got applauded. Yeah. I got applauded. How do you bring the, the stock into the show? Like like a truck? Mm -hmm. there's a, a trailer in this um you have a truck just a, a regular pickup truck um that can pull a trailer and you have a, a long trailer it's covered um and you can kind of customize the inside of it um to put stalls in so for the pigs there'll just be little pins and you walk them up in and they sleep there um and then but with the cows you walk them in and they're trained to to be on their harness um, to be on their halter and you tie them to the rails and they'll just stand there and, and drive they'll just stand and drive in the back of the trailer they're just yeah. they just chill they're fine oh wow so would there be like people from different states or that's just for your area so for like the county shows and like the smaller shows um those are usually just only your area so um i i when i was in high school i was in wise county and so for the county show it was just people from wise county so it was just my my you know classmates and people from nearby schools but for the larger major shows where the big money is at like like the houston livestock show and rodeo is pretty huge that attracts people from all over like people will come in from different states 
um, for the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. And that's where, that's where it gets really big. So these shows vary anywhere from like being a one day pop-up show, a buckle show is what they call it because they give you belt buckles if you win. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, with maybe, <laughs> maybe a hundred <laughs> people there to yeah. giant shows that last months and they have not all the animals are there at once. Like pigs will be there a certain time and then sheep at a different time. And then they'll cycle through all the cows and then the goats. And so, and then I also have chickens and rabbits, but I never, I never showed chickens or rabbits. So I don't feel like I have much to contribute to that conversation. (laughs) Wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's almost like I'm combining the pieces and bits from the movies Mm -hmm. and from the pictures I've seen and then trying to puzzle it together i will definitely send pictures yeah colorado actually has uh i believe a few shows a few big shows that happen and they're often these the big shows also often have rodeos attached to them okay so they do draw in a lot of tourists because it's you know you get to see kids with their animals and then you also get to see people getting bucked off broncos (laughs) and and i guess there will be beer or that kind of There'll be a cow, like a metallic cow or a robot cow, and people sit on it and try not to be out. What do you call that thing? I uh, a mechanical bull. I don't know if that has a fancy <laughs> name. I just know it as the mechanical bull. Okay. I, I assume somewhere there are those, but like I never when you're when you're at the stock show, you really don't as like with your animal, you don't get to do a whole lot of the fun things because okay. your life revolves around the animal. You're in they're so pampered. When I say these animals are so spoiled, they are so spoiled. So that's what, what I think separates show animals from like regular livestock animals is because these animals are so pampered because, you know, you want them to, they're supermodels, the supermodels of the world. They're pampered because if you have a good animal as a kid, you get scholarship money. And that's huge. Like that's so huge. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. we talk about the stock show let's go back mm-hmm. to your routine life what are the routines that you have when you're maintaining a farm so the school farm's kind of set up it's on school property um and a, a lot of these schools the small rural schools will have school farms um some keep kids keep their animals at home like if they have on actual farm um they'll keep their livestock at home but the school farm is there for kids who live in a city or who don't have the space to be able to own and raise an animal um, and, and be able to have a place to have it. And so it's, it's usually just set up as a barn um, with a bunch of different stalls for different kids to have their animals, feed rooms, all sorts of that places for kids to walk the animals, to wash the animals. Um, so as a kid, I remember always going up to the school farm to help my dad check pigs and you know check sheep and check goats because he was the teacher. He was kind of in charge of supervising all these kids to make sure they were feeding their animals properly. You know, if there was a pig that was sick, we were up there all the time, making sure it had the right medicine, you know, communicating with the vet. And so my brother and I tagged along a lot for that. Um, we also helped clean the barn and <laughs> cause you know, you've got to clean up after the animals. Um, and so a lot of it was just going up there every day and just this, this daily routine of, okay, everyone's fed, everyone's watered. We're going to make sure they're taken care of. They're not too hot. They're not too cold. None of the pigs are sunburned because pigs can get sunburned. How? <laughs> so, Wait. And how does it look like when it's sunburned? Okay. So think, think of that stereotypical little cute pink pig in your mind. Good chance that pig was sunburned because those pigs are very, very fair. 
And so they, you actually want them to be closer to a white color. And if they're too pink, they are sunburnt. Um, not every pig is like that. There's some darker pigs. My favorite um, breed to show of pig was, is the Duroc. I like Durocs. Um, and they are a rusty red color and they don't get sunburned. They are happy in the sun, but um, the little pink pigs probably sunburned. Okay. What? That is okay. I don't even know how to respond to this because it's like the longest myth in my mind is like, because they're just newborn and they're cute. So that's why they're pink. I mean, there, there's some, but like, if they are pink, pink, they're probably sunburned, okay. um, which I mean is, but like as a show pig, you want them to be, you know, spoiled and pampered. There's also a, a breed of pig and I can't remember, I cannot for the life of me remember the breed name, but it looks like an Oreo. The head is black, the, the booty is black, and there's a strip of white along the belly. So they look like Oreos. So cute. My brother showed a lot of those. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. What was hard for you to be taking care of livestock or maintaining that farm? I think the biggest thing, and I think anyone who's raised an animal can, can attest to this, you have no vacation days. It's, if it's Christmas morning, guess what? You are feeding that animal. The, the cows don't care about Christmas. They're hungry. Um, if it is freezing cold outside, guess what? You're going to go have to break water because the water that they drink will freeze if it gets too cold and they can't drink it. So you have to, if it, if it got too cold, if it got below freezing, we'd have to go out there with like a shovel and break the ice so that they could drink. If it is over a hundred degrees Fahrenheit and you know, you're cleaning the pen, you, you've got to clean the pen that you don't want them being in a gross environment where they could get sick or be unhappy. You're cleaning the pig, the pig, pig pen, and you're just drenched in sweat. So like, there's, there's a lot of really fun, rewarding moments, but the FFA creed, which is the future farmers of America creed, and pretty much every FFA kid has to memorize this. Um, it's a little five paragraph speech. There's part of it that goes for, I know the joys and discomforts of agricultural life. And there are discomforts <laughs> and you just have to get through them because the animals rely on you. And, and that's part of why this is such a popular kind of pastime or, or extracurricular for kids in rural America is because it teaches that responsibility. Almost like taking care of kids, but they're just animals. <laughs> it's, it's like taking care of kids if you one day know the kid is going to become bacon. <laughs> oh, what? Okay, that's a great segue for our next question. <laughs> Okay, so yes, when I was preparing for this interview, I was like, hmm, let me ask about, you know, what other uh, rationale around eating your animals? Yeah, so you just mentioned that. The, did you eat your pig? Yes, <laughs> I, oh did. I did. <laughs> that, that, that sounds so, um, but I mean, if, if, you, if you think back, and I think this is, it's, I definitely think it's true for, for America, but I think it'd probably be true other places in the world. Like, I mean, we can, we can discuss this, but we're, we've become very urbanized. But if you think back a few generations ago, um, everyone raised their own food or, or lived on some form of, of substance farming. You, you raised your own crops, you had chickens, you had pigs. And yes, those were animals you took care of, but you, you knew that was their purpose was, was to feed you and to keep your family alive. And so it's, it, it feels somewhat antiquated, but that's, because that's how it's been for pretty much all of human history. And so even though like 
um, for me, for me anyway, um, yeah, I loved these animals. I grow attached to them, but in my brain, there is a fundamental difference between the love I have and the attitude I have toward my livestock, toward my pigs, toward my cows, to, to my pet cat here. I love my pet cat. And the way I see her is fundamentally different than that of how I see my livestock. That doesn't mean I don't care about that. That doesn't mean I don't dote over them. But at the end of the day, I know that their purpose is to feed someone. And occasionally that someone is me. So, hmm. Did you know that when you were a kid or was that taught in the class to have that mentality? I, I knew that from a very young age. Since, like I said, I, I, I was born into this. I, I started very young, started showing. I always knew that the animals were meant to feed someone. And I, I was always taught that was a good thing, that we love these animals and we want to take care of them. But what we are here for is we're here for the people. We, we want to feed people and we want to make sure that people have food. And that's one small way that we can do that. And so I was always grown up with that. And I, I remember... Um, you know, even being a little, when I was younger, apprehensive about eating my own animals. And I remember my mother telling me, she's like, um, that, that, that pig is going to be with you for the rest of your life. Your body's going to convert that into energy to, to keep your body alive and to, to fuel your muscles and fuel your brain. Um, can you tell my mother's a science teacher? She's coming at me with the, the, the metabolism and the science. Um, and so I, I pretty much always, always had that mentality of, I love these animals. Um, but I, I'm so happy to be able to think, oh yes, I love this pig, but someone's going to be, you know, <laughs> having pork chops with their family one day and sitting around the table. And I contributed that the hard work that I put into that animal is, is going to, to feed someone and keep someone alive. And so to me, that was always something that I was really proud of. Even, even if it's a weird thought for other people. And it is something that not everyone does when they raise animals. They don't always eat their own animals. I had friends that didn't, but I had friends that did. So it's, it's just kind of a personal choice. Hmm, that's so interesting. Cause it's like when you grow attached to them, but you always know that they're going to be gone and they're going to be mm-hmm. used for a better purpose. And I feel it's easier said than done. <laughs> it's, it's definitely easier said than done. So at a lot of the major stock shows, what they are is if you don't make the finals, if you don't make the the sale, um, you know, where they auction off your animal to the highest bidder and that money goes to your scholarship. Um, if you don't do that, your pig gets put or your animal gets put on the truck. Not with cows. Cows are a little different because they have naturally a longer lifespan. And so they, they get, you, you keep a cow for a good few years, pigs, sheep, and goats, you pretty much only have one year as, as, a, as, as you show them. Um, and so if, if you don't win, <laughs> if you're a loser, they go on the truck and you, you don't, you immediately leave the show ring and they are funneled off away from you and they're put on the truck to go to the slaughterhouse. And I remember that happening. And I remember bawling my eyes out pretty much a hundred percent that I remember every time I had to say goodbye to an animal, I bawled my eyes out because I loved these animals. And so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like I, I did get attached. And so it was hard. Um, and so I would just have to always remind myself that was what it was for, was for, for the people. I had a good time with these animals. I had fun with them. I didn't hesitate to name them, to sing to them, to play with them. But at the end of the day, that's what they were for. So it is, it is a very hard thing to do. And some people do it better than others. I definitely get more attached than some people. But that's just, 
that's how I grew up. And that's, you know, something that, you know, I was raised to kind of have that perception and to take pride in what I did. So yeah. thank you for sharing. That's really cool. And okay. A follow-up question. When they go yes. to a slaughterhouse and then like, do you get the meat in return or it's going to be elsewhere? So, so that depends kind of on, on the process. There's a couple different things you can do. So the county shows are different than the major shows. The major shows, the animals go on the truck. If you lose, they go on the truck. You never see them again. The show, you know, you get the scholarship money, um, but that animal you, you don't see. That goes somewhere else. That goes to a different, I don't know the logistics behind that. I just know you don't get the meat. Um, but if you go to the county show, there's a couple different things you can do. Um, if you win, you know, the sale happens and then someone auctions to buy your animal and then they get the meat you get the scholarship money. And the other case with that is if, you know, it doesn't win, you can, you can process the animal. You can send it somewhere to get processed, slaughtered, processed, made into meat. Um, and then your family gets the meat. And so um, we did that with a few of my animals. And I remember every time that happened, it was, um, it was the same thing as always. I cried, I bawled my eyes out, but then <laughs> afterwards we would a, a little bit of ways afterwards, we had this you know, spare freezer in our garage, um, that would be stuffed to the brim with meat. So like my pig could feed my entire family for a year. Like we wouldn't have to buy pork for a year. So like, yeah, so there, there's some benefits to that. Like we, we, we had a lot of, you know, just like summer sausage, pork chops, bacon, and the freezer was just packed. So, um, so there's a couple different things that happens. Um, so it just kind of depends on your animal and how successful you are in winning. <laughs> cool. Wow. Okay. I was just thinking, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. And so having all those kind of moments or experience, does it ever change how you view um, eating meat? Because a lot of people have that experience and then they choose to become vegetarian or vegan. I can definitely get that. I can, I can see how it would be hard for, for, and I, I definitely see how that decision's made. Um, I never quite had that a, because I like meat too much. I'm, I'm too anemic to not eat meat. <laughs> I just like the way meat tastes. Um, and then, so no, that never happened to me. Um, and it never really changed how I viewed meat. Like, um, the, the one thing that did hit was I got really sick of pork after a while because I showed, I showed pigs a lot. And so we had a lot of pork. And so I got a little burned out on, you know, bacon, and pork chops. Um, that was pretty much it. I got kind of burned out on that. Um, the other really thing that I think you'd find interesting with this is I also did competitive meat judging in high school. Um, so that's another thing they do in the FFA is there's different form of judging competitions. Um, that teach you about the ag industry. So there's dairy judging, you know, you're tasting milk to see if the milk's gone bad, you know, you're ranking things. Um, there's livestock judging that teaches you how to judge the livestock. I did meat judging. So I was looking at processed carcasses. <laughs> um, so we spent about four hours in the meat cooler <laughs> um, for every competition, grading beef, you know, is this prime, is this choice, um, you know, which which, you know, slab of, of pork chop is better than the other. Um, so if I was going to be vegan, it would have happened a long time ago between me um, having to deal with processing animals and then also me just spending every free morning I had um, surrounded by, by carcasses 
um, like in Rocky, you know, where he goes and he punches the meat. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You're surrounded by raw meat and you're raw meat. tasting it. Yeah. No, we're not tasting it. No, we're looking at it. You look oh, okay. at it and you go, oh yes, this is a, this is going to be a juicy cut of steak. I'm going to say <sighs> this is going to be prime. Um, okay. it's, I can, I can, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's basically training you to be a, a USDA, um, inspector, like a meat inspector to make sure that the meat is good, that it's good quality, that it's not going to make anyone sick, um, to kind of rank what it is. So it's, it's a very practical contest. Um, but yeah, so between the saying goodbye to my livestock and being surrounded by, um, beef carcasses and pork carcasses and lamb carcasses all day, <laughs> I think I would have been vegan a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely whoa okay how does farming uh life or experience shape your way of thinking or your you know your your later part of life it definitely shaped my later part of life and um I feel like I touched on this in the the first episode is it it um it shaped my academic interest I really you know more than, more than the farming or even the, the meat judging, the showing livestock, the public speaking, I had to do a lot of research on ag topics and relevant ag issues and write those into speeches and present them. So it really got my interest in academic research and policy and things like that, which have, you know, driven me straight to getting my master's. Um, and then when I was studying abroad with my college and we were, you know, in Germany and we were visiting German farms and, you know, we were all talking about, oh, the cows, they just constantly want to get it out. We were all, you know, they were German. We were, we're from Texas. Like we don't really, we're from completely different cultures yet. We're all sitting here complaining about how the cows keep wanting to get out of the dang yard. <laughs> um, and so it's just that, that whole, you know, oh, this is it. This is a, this is a global thing that we all, you know, we all need food. There's every, every country, every culture has their own agriculture system. So, um, it, it not only taught me a lot of responsibility and hard work, but it also gave me my interest in what I'm doing now. So, Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And I know that you have some good news after our first episode. What's next for you? So after getting evacuated from Korea and finishing my master's in the weirdest way possible, um, <laughs> I didn't even have classes my last two quarters. I just kind of was there. Um, I have a job teaching English in South Korea in Seoul. So I'm excited to be going back um, and that's, so I leave in less than a month. Um, this will, I'll probably be in Korea by the time this comes out. So that's, that's my big, exciting thing. Yay. And I can't wait to hear from you after you kind of settle your life and, and work over there. And then we can have another conversation. That is so cool. Yes. And how can the listeners find you? Um, you can give them my email, um, katherine.gay.macaulay at gmail.com. Um, I, I think that's the best way to contact me. I'm really not good about social media. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for coming, Kat. Thank you so much for having me again. Yeah. Um, it's been great catching up with you. Oh, totally. So, I can't wait for the next time. Yeah. I'll have more to say. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to Chai with Ping. If you think someone will benefit from this episode, don't forget to share it with them. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you like my show, you can buy me some chai with small donations. Details are in the episode notes. Till next time! Bye.